Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Ashland University Professional Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Cheryl D. Basinger. Today, we have two guests with us, Leslie Wright and Julie Schuschler. Both of these ladies work for the Ensenadas Union School District. Leslie is the coordinator of enrichment programs, and Julie is the director of curriculum instruction and accountability. Good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having us today. It's our pleasure. Your mentoring program has been featured in the EdSource magazine in an article entitled, Mentoring Can Bring a Personal Touch to Distance Learning. The mentoring program you have developed is really quite unique, and I am sure that our listeners would like to know more. I will open the question to both of you, since I know this program would create a partnership between the two of you. Can you explain the need for this mentoring program that you both started? Sure. I'll, I'll go ahead and get started with that. You know, it's, it's ingrained in, in my brain right now, the date of March 13th. That was a pivotal day in our school district. Like most school districts across the country, we closed our schools due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And overnight, the way we taught students had to change. And many, many students and families needed help navigating distance learning. It was new and there was no manual that came with it. That need grew as the closure lengthened. You know, we thought we would come back right after spring break and that didn't happen. Then we thought, well, we'll wait till Easter and we'll come back after Easter and that didn't happen. And it just kept going and and going. And so the need just kept growing for student support. And we found that one population of students who needed significant support and who were greatly impacted by the closures were our English learners. They were not engaging in the distance learning for multiple reasons, including examples such as limited access to the internet, not knowing how to connect to Zoom, not knowing how to access the learning management systems that our teachers were using. And that language barrier really impacted them in a negative way in that they weren't accessing their education. Yeah, I also want to say that, you know, that's the student side, but from the staffing side, we also had to rethink job descriptions and it gave us this unique opportunity to repurpose many of our staff members. Some district employees could perform their roles virtually, such as the classroom teacher, but others could not. So for example, I had approximately 65 uh, before and after school childcare employees that, you know, obviously in the childcare setting, that is something you have to do in person. You can't really do childcare virtually. So I was given the unique task of how do we repurpose these employees? And it, it, It went beyond just our, our before and after school workers too. So combined with this challenge that we had with our students and then this other challenge we had with how to re how do we repurpose our staff members the mentorship program grew 
So Leslie, as the coordinator of the enrichment program, you also had those after school programs that needed to be addressed as well, correct? No, not necessarily. So we we weren't running any of our before and after school programs, obviously, because we weren't doing any in-person, any in-person instruction or or programming. But what I had to do is repurpose these people because obviously, you know, these employees were contracted employees and obviously we, we value our employees and we want to keep them. And so, you know, they were compensated during this time as they should have been. So how do we, how do we use them in the most efficient way? And because we have this challenge with students needing support, it just became a perfect opportunity. And it went beyond just our, our childcare employees as well. That was just one of the examples. There were many different um, classifications of employees that needed to be repurposed. I see, I see. Yeah, we even had afternoon lunch aides who mm -hmm. helped us, who were part of the mentor program. We had enrichment teachers who were part of the program. So we got everybody together that who whose job needed to be reimagined. And we coupled that with, as Leslie said, our need to support our English learners. And that's how the mentor program grew. So Julie, how were, how were the, the mentors and the students matched up? Was, was that a uh, preconceived? Did you do a random? How, how was that done? Well, I would like to um, defer to Leslie to answer that question because she, because she was in charge and the coordinator of all of these employees, she was the one who really matched the employees with the with the mentees. Yeah, thanks, Julie. I, I would love to talk about that. Yeah, so I did, I had 65 employees that worked in the before and after school setting. And then we had about 45 enrichment teachers. Um, and I knew them all very well. I'm the supervisor of those programs. So I, I knew their strengths. And so it did make sense that I would be the one to, to match them up. Um, although I do have to give Julie credit, we spent many, many hours on the phone doing this together. But as the need grew, um, I just ended up making those pairings. So if, if I can, I'll just start from the beginning a little bit of, of how we started matching them up. We originally started this program for English learners. I had, gosh, how many? I probably had about 36 bilingual employees and when I was trying to reimagine what the job you know what the job descriptions look like um, and I knew that our English language learners um, I knew that this would be a challenging time for them uh, we decided that we would match up our English learners with our bilingual employees what we what we quickly realized is that we didn't have enough bilingual employees to support a large amount of English learners that needed support. So we started a triage system. So we started numbering the children one, two, and three. So ones were our newcomers. These were the kiddos that had very, very limited English skills and parents didn't speak any English. So for these students, we knew that a bilingual mentor was crucial. Then we have the twos. These were the students that had emerging English skills. Parents may or may not have the same emerging English skills. And we knew that a bilingual mentor would be ideal, but not necessarily required. And then we had the threes. And these were the students that were approaching English proficiency. 
parents may or may not have um, the same type of skills, but sometimes there is a sibling in the household that could help with any translation. And so we knew for these students, a bilingual mentor, while it would be ideal, certainly wasn't necessary. And, and that's how we started pairing students with their mentors. Then we started bringing in even more mentors. Um, we, we had even more groups of employees that we needed to rethink their job description. And so because we knew that our English learners, we were able to meet all of their needs, and then we still had the capacity to add more students, we then added another tier. We added the fours. And these were non-English learners. So um, these were our students that spoke English, but they still needed support, whether it be academic support or social emotional support. And I do have to say that as time went on and as the months increased with this closure, that social emotional piece became really, really important. So in, in matching, we tried to match students in the same grade level with the mentor so that the mentor would have, for instance, if I'm a mentor and I had four students, they were all in the same grade level. It just made it a little bit easier to navigate the distance learning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, uh, that sounds very complicated, but yet very simple. And it's, and it's overall, <laughs> you think about, you know, going from students who know little to no English all the way to students who need some social emotional support. And I agree that in, in that environment, the social emotional part becomes very, very important. I've actually been the part of a, a mentoring group for students and they're amazed that you care. They're amazed that you're there. And I think it really makes a difference for them and will make a difference down the road, which will bring me to my next question. What do you think the overall impact has been first on the, on the mentor and second on the mentee? Um, I can answer that one. Great, Julie. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'd like to backtrack a little bit to talk about um, how we prepared our mentors to do this work, because that leads to the answer to your question, if I may. Um, mm -hmm. So when we were training the mentors when we first brought them on, our focus was on having them build relationships with the students and the parents. That was their main goal and their main priority. We wanted them to know the, stu the students' cultures, their strengths and their interests. We wanted them to really make that connection so that we could build trust between the mentee and the mentor because that, it, without that trust, we believed that the learning would not occur. So that was our main, main focus. We did, the mentors did daily check-ins with the mentees. And on Fridays, we would get all of the mentors together to have collaboration meetings so that they could share strategies and ideas and just connect together so that they would know that it, it created a what do I want to say? A common, a common purpose or a common goal, or it was a common why in, in, in mm -hmm. a way. So, and that kind of leads into when we decided to focus on relationships, we did establish the why of the program with the mentees, with the mentors, excuse me, so that we could create a common purpose and a shared purpose. 
And we also always em emphasized the importance of what the mentors were doing for students and their opportunity to make a positive difference in the lives of others. We, we framed it that way so that they would um, feel a sense of purpose and a, and a sense of making an impact on the world, making a positive difference in the world. And we also, as they were doing their work, we made sure we were very intentional about celebrating and sharing their innovative, innovative strategies to engage the students. Um, for example, one mentor shared that um, something that engaged her student was being able to choose the virtual background of the mentor so that the student could put him in, you know, in any kind of crazy location that was motivating to the student. So, and we also took every opportunity that we could to honor the work that the mentors were doing. We wrote them personal emails. We recognized them in meetings. We shared the positive comments that we received from parents, principals, teachers, and district administrators. And at the end of the program, we had a celebration for them. And we invited the superintendent, district administrators, principals, all of these people to share the positive impact that they had made in the lives of the students that they worked with. So that was that was a really touching celebration. We also had weekly meetings with the mentors to, as I said, to solve problems and collaborate. And then another thing that Leslie and I were doing was um, continuously reaching out to mentors and providing avenues for communication so that we would be on top of the needs of the mentors and we could provide support like right on the spot because we wanted them to feel supported and feel successful. And so, that gets to the, what was the impact? So as reported by the principals and teachers and parents that we heard from, um, there was increased attendance from the students into their Zoom classes. There was greater engagement in learning with the students. And um, some of the teachers even said that they saw the self-confidence in the students grow. They're, because they were in school and engaged, their, their academic, academic achievement increased. And then it also improved the social and emotional well-being of students. And I'll just share one brief story of a student who was really excited because he, his baby sister was going to be born. And unfortunately, the baby sibling did not live. And the first person that the child wanted to connect with was his mentor. It, it gets me a little bit clamped, <laughs> a little because that mentor and that student, um, they just sat and they drew pictures of birds and they talked. And the mentor was really able to support the student through a really, really difficult time. And so, so through stories like that, we know that um, the social emotional well-being of the students were supported by the mentors. It truly sounds like there have been relationships forged for a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And what was interesting to me and to Leslie as well is that 
we got such positive feedback from the mentors. They told us they felt a sense of purpose. They felt that what they did mattered. They felt that their work was valued by other people. And they were always, they reported feeling so inspired by how their efforts and actions positively impacted the students. So sharing what principals said and teachers and parents said inspired them to keep going because they knew that their work was valued. So as as we look at this unbelievably touching and and focused mentoring uh, program that the two of you put in place, is there a place where our listeners can reach out to you and contact you for more information if they would like more information on how to start a program like this? Sure. Yeah. That's a great, yeah, that's a great question. We, we actually have been contacted by a few different school districts. It's funny how we're traveled in the education world, um, but other districts who are experiencing very similar challenges, we're, we're all in this, we're all in this together right now. This is an incredibly unique time. And we are, we're more than happy to spend time talking over the phone or doing a Zoom meeting and walking other districts through the steps they can take to start a program like this and what what we learned along the way, you know, hindsight is 2020. So had we, you know, if we were able to do this again and have less than a weekend to put it, or I'm sorry, more than a weekend to put it together, it could be even greater than it than it ended up being. I would say the best way to to reach us is via email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can be reached via email at Leslie L-E-S-L-I-E dot right. W-R-I-G-H-T at E-U-S-D dot net. Encinitas Union School District dot net. And Julie? And my email is Julie, J-U-L-I-E dot Schluter, S-C-H-L-U-E-T-E-R. And the same at E-U-S-D dot net. Thank you so much for your time and energy today, ladies. This is really um, a a fascinating program. Uh, I'm hoping they'll adopt it all across Ohio and the United States. That would be wonderful. Kids really need that connection. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Brought to you by Ashland University, your partner in the future of professional learning. This podcast is intended to cultivate a rich debate. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Ashland University. This podcast is licensed under Creative Commons. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.